You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Come on, put your hands together again. Thank the Lord. Just for the great things that happened last weekend. Uh, what a great weekend. Hey, welcome in the room, especially if you're a first-timer today. We welcome you in online. Keep the stories coming online. That's how we can connect with you the best. Is, uh, let us know what you're experiencing in our services as you're watching online. And remind us where you're from. We just love that you're joining us online today. Well, last week, as we just recapped, it was just such a great time, and Good Friday, Sunday, it was exciting to uh, see all that took place and the, the, uh, the numbers that we just saw uh, as God was moving, and we're so thankful for that. I want to give a big shout out to our dream team that served and made all the moving parts of the service seamless. Thank you, dream team. Give them a hand. Give yourselves a hand. We love our dream team. If you're not a part of the dream team, we'd love to invite you to be a part. That's our team that's behind the scenes um, uh, and and visible as well here on Sunday mornings. Uh, And you need to take step one if you want to be a part of our dream team. It's a great way to meet people. It's a great way to feel connected and be a part of what's happening at Harvest. And so the first Sunday of every month, step one, you can find out about the dream team. If you've not served for a while, you did step one, you were a part of the dream team, but you haven't been serving for a little while, we want to encourage you to get a hold of the office and say, sign me up. I'm ready to be a part of what God's doing at Harvest. And thank you so very much, Dream Team. Well, Friday was our part one of before and after, and we looked at what Jesus did on the cross. And I would encourage you, if you didn't get that, uh, if you weren't here or saw it online, get the podcast. Sunday, we experienced Christina's transformation video. We're thankful that she was just candid and honest and open and shared her story with us. Today, I want to talk to you about living in your after, living in your after. Father, we just thank you right now. There's so much more for us than we understand, comprehend, dream about, pray about. Lord, open our eyes to see your perspective today. Let me see what you see. Lord, uh, I just ask that for someone today that during worship, Uh, just was living out, didn't even know that scripture that the high praises of God will be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And I just saw somebody just cutting off from their life anxiety and fear and taking a stand. And you know who you are today? I'm praying for you that you're going to learn how to live victoriously each and every day of your life. Lord, we thank you that we're more than conquerors today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hey, thanks for coming Today, we just appreciate you being here. Uh, I'm going to start at Galatians chapter 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? By believing what you heard. Are you so foolish that after beginning by the means of the Spirit that you're now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Let me take a few minutes and unpack some of the ideas here that are important for us this morning. As Paul starts out to this church in a city, it was actually a region, um, and the Galatian people, and the church in Galatia, and he said this, who has 
cast a spell on you. Or another way of saying this is who's gaslighting you? Who's putting thoughts in your mind that aren't the thoughts of God, that aren't the thoughts of the scripture, that aren't the thoughts that we taught you? Where are the gaslighting thoughts coming from? And then he says this, he says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly, eyes clearly. I heard a, uh, I listened to stand-up comedy on, uh, uh, on F, um, Sirius uh, Radio, and um, I heard a comedian this week say, uh, it was, I thought it was funny, he said, I'm going to open up an optometry uh, shop, and I'm going to make sure that all the signs are really blurry. And I thought that was super clever. <laughs> and you guys aren't really here today. Prop yourselves up a little bit. Say, that was funny. There you go. All right. I thought it was funny. I thought it was brilliant. I, but I can't see the sign. I'm going to go in. If I, anyway, so Jesus was clearly portrayed. You saw him clearly. And so we talked last week about, I once was blind, but now I see. So the hymn writer wrote that, Amazing Grace. But it's a story in the New Testament and Jesus used it as he's talking to his disciples, as he's sharing with us today, that there is a spiritual blindness that we can't perceive or see spiritual things. And so it's when uh, we have experience with Jesus because of what he did on the cross, we're able to see clearly. And so the, the church in Galatia started out by seeing the cross, seeing what Jesus did for them very clearly. He said, after beginning by the means of the Spirit, and so their eyes are open, their spiritual eyes can see, um, they began in the Spirit, but now you're trying to finish by means of the flesh. When Jesus comes into our life, we've been talking about before and after, we're talking about the transformation. Say transformation. We're talking about the transformation that takes place where a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. But this church started the right way but then it rejected transformation and said, we want change. We're going to instead, we're going to embrace change. You say, is that just uh, uh, different words? Well, they're very different in their meaning. Trans uh, change means change. I need to become someone I believe that I'm not. I want to become someone that presently I I'm not. And maybe one day I will be through God's grace and his power in my life, but I'm not that yet. That's the idea of change. And what happens is through willpower and sheer effort, we try to finish what Jesus began by using our own strength, by changing ourselves. We'll talk more about that in a couple minutes. But a transformation, the before and the after, is I'm becoming someone I believe I already am. I'm becoming someone that I believe I already am, that the work that Jesus did on the cross, he said it's finished. There's not more you can add. There's nothing you can do to take away from it. It is a complete work. It's our work. It was given to us, and when eternal life, Jesus' presence came into our life at salvation, we got the whole package. We got it all. There's nothing more that can be added. And so when we try to change and live in that, that's a problem, um, that we're, not, we're no longer uh, uh, using the Spirit's power. So he said this, before your very eyes, I want you to see how transformation happens. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Your eyes were open, you understood, and you realized what Jesus did for you on the cross. By believing 
what you heard. There's two, there's two parts here. So you saw it. It was, it was made, wow, that's for me. And then you acknowledged it, and you began to believe what somebody told you, either through the preaching of the word, what you read in the Bible, what a friend shared with you, what you heard at Easter service, wherever it was, something resonated with you. You saw it, and then you believed it. Romans explains it a little bit more. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your head. No, not in your head. If you believe where? In your heart, if you believe in your heart. Next week, I'm going to do another part of this series. I'm going to talk about the four heart conditions that Jesus talks to us about and that we want to live in the fertile soil where there's fruitfulness and there's growth. And so many Christians are trying to change and change their heart, and they think it's their obligation to change their stony heart, their path heart, or the the thorns the choke out, and we're going to see that you can't do anything about that. And so many Christians are living in a legalistic, religious kind of a format where they're trying to change their heart. You can't change your heart. Only Jesus can, and he wants to do it. And so we're going to talk about receiving the word so we can believe in our heart more fully and trust him more. All right, but that's next week. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe. Very important. We're going to see the importance of that next week. It's in your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So the mouth can say what the heart believes, what you believe in your heart, what you really believe what you really believe. And I could, I could uh, uh, you know, put the scripture up in Philippians and preach on this this morning and say, and, the God, and, and my God and your God will meet all your needs, all of them, every one of your needs according to his riches, not your riches, not what's in my pocketbook or your pocketbook, but what's in God's pocketbook, uh, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And I could do a, and you could say, and give mental assent to God meets my needs. God meets my needs. And I would say to you, do you really believe that? And you might say, I really, hi, Summer. Sorry, squirrel. How are you? Can you, uh, you and David, congratulations on your new marriage. They got married and Summer's from Korea and has just relocated to Cornwall. Would you just put your hands together for David and Summer? Great midstream, my, my wife would say. She's going to talk to me after the service. I was going to say, you are such a squirrel. All right. And so we believe in our heart. And I could ask you, do you believe this scripture? And you could say, oh, pastor, I believe this scripture. And you believe it when every, all your needs are being met. But when something takes place to challenge that, then you begin to fret. You begin to worry. I begin to fret. I begin to worry. I begin to wonder if God's coming through. Do I pray more? Do I fast more? Do I read the Bible more? And I begin to question or, or be in a position where I'm not trusting God to meet my needs. And then I have to say about myself, and we have to agree and be honest, that what we really believe then is not that God meets my need. And our belief system, what I believe deep inside who I am, is what I believe in my heart. And 
it's wonderful when we meet people who have settled the issues on these things because they trust God so fully, they've experienced his faithfulness, and they're an example to us, but they know, they'll say, I know that I know that I know. It's all right. It's, I'm all right. But as we watch Christina's story, as not only did she see and she experienced transformation, you could see her heart began to change, even toward her abuser, even toward other things, because she heard Jesus' voice saying, I've got this, I've got you, you're gonna be okay. And her belief system in her heart, that relational place where we meet with God, began to change. So how does this take place? Before your eyes, and believing what you heard, your belief system in your heart begins to change. Let me say it this way. You begin to see things from God's perspective. You begin to see it from God's perspective, not from your perspective, but from God. So when we spiritually see from God's perspective, my heart comes into alignment, and then when I confess and I, and I quote those scriptures and I stand on the word of God, there's, there's alignment in it, not the other way around, where someone says, well, you just say that scripture over and over. Stick it on your mirror, and you'll believe it after a while. You might not, not if your heart hasn't changed. And now you're just into some kind of a mind over matter or, you know, I just got to get this right. But when we get our heart healed, and that's what we'll talk about next week, the healing of the heart, and Jesus' love begins to do that, and my perspective begins to change. I begin to see according to heaven's perspective. My belief system will truly come into alignment, and I will and you will live in our after and our transformation. Well, in Galatia and and here in Cornwall at Harvest and any church, people were talking, were excited about transformation, and were, were, were excited about Christina's story and things that she's experiencing or others maybe that you've heard are experiencing uh, 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 that this transformation begins to take place. And then we begin to feel like, well, that transformation should be happening in my life. That should be happening in my life. And now we begin to feel a little bit of pressure that if I'm a Christian, should things be changing in my life? Should I be experiencing transformation? Or worse, you meet someone who's got a judgmental edge and they'll say, I thought you were a Christian. And I thought Christians didn't do that anymore. If you were really a Christian, if you were really experiencing God's power in your life, you wouldn't be experiencing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. And then we begin believing that instead. And then we begin serving God out of obligation. I don't I'm not, I'm not serving God, loving God, and reading the scriptures because I want to interact and have an incredible experience with him. But somehow now, because I need to be a Christian and I need to have transformation in my life, an obligation to not do certain things, an obligation to do certain things, an obligation, and God now, it's obligatory, it's not a relationship, and my heart begins to grow cold and fear comes into my life because if I'm obligated to do these things as a Christian, then God's going to be really ticked off at me if I don't get it right. And this horrible religious cycle that so many people live in, and there's no power in that. And Paul said, who gaslighted you to believe that? Who actually convinced you that serving God out of obligation and fear will get you anywhere? 
and a transformation of living in your after. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, so that's pretty general. Have anybody who's decided to be a Christ follower put their hand up in a service somewhere at some time, here at Harvest probably, as we're sitting in this room or you're watching online. God lives in them. And that's why we say that when a person's moved upon and they go, yes, I want to follow Jesus, and I'm going to give that opportunity today. We do it in every service. And we say, we believe you are born again. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, we believe you're born again because the scriptures teach that. It says it right here, God lives in them. Say, God lives in me. Come on. God lives in them, and they're in God. And that's the language of intimacy. And, and Jesus talked about it. He said, I'm in my Father. My Father's in me. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm in you. You're in me. It's talking about the intimate relationship that we connect with Jesus spiritually. So when that happens, that's taking place. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Important phrase. Let's just park here for a second. When our eyes have been opened and we've experienced the spiritual, uh, spiritual realities, then we know, say no. That word is experiential. And you saw it demonstrated in Christina's story. And you've experienced it and I've experienced it where we say God has made himself so real to me. It was so real. I was in my prayer time in the morning, and, and no one could take it away from you. Nobody could gaslight you. Nobody could take it away because you know that you know that you know, and it's not knowing the head. You experience the reality of God's love. How many have had that happen in your life? Can I just see your hand today? All across this room, and I'm sure online today. And those moments, and that's why we create moments at Harvest every Sunday. We want you to know God and know him more every day. Not here but here, that you know, so you've had experience, and rely on his love. Know and rely. Say rely. That word means that you begin trusting. And so often what Christianity has done is said to people who've lived lives with hearts that are not trusting, life has told them not to trust, people have told them not to trust, and then we say to them, but you've got to trust God. Why? And they have to learn to trust God, and we have to learn to trust God, and it's a process of experiencing and relying on his love, not on the obligation. Now, I'm obligated to trust God because he's, he's going to supply all my needs. No, he loves me. I love him. He's a faithful father who supplies all my needs. I trust and rely because relationally we're making that connection. That's where transformation and the only place transformation can take place. Watch this. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, in God and them. Say lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of relationship with God where it takes place. There is no fear in love. There's no fear. But perfect love, and God loves us perfectly, drives out fear the fear of punishment, the fear of not getting it right, the fear of not being enough, because fear has to do with punishment. Jesus was punished in our place on the cross. He, God's not going to punish you when he's already punished Jesus for, for our sins. The one who fears, very important, is not made perfect in love. And that a fear-based, obligatory, 
uh, serving of God will actually stand in the way of transformation. It will not allow it to take place. The, ju- the judge in our head, the judgment of others paralyzes us in this obligatory fear-related uh, 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 we're trying to connect with God, and the scriptures are teaching us, no, the only place it happens is when you understand how much he loves you, and you grow on that, and you rely on that. You can't experience transformation while you live in fear of God. It goes on, you see, our love for him, not your obligation, not your, I'm going to get this right, not your, well, Jesus did so much for me, I'm going to do so much for him. No, that, 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 that obligatory approach, no, not that. See, your love, say love, your knowing and relying, for real, for real, in your heart, comes as a result of his loving us first. His love overwhelming us. His love, when we've messed it up so bad and we, we just think, he doesn't want to talk to me right now, and he breaks through in that moment and says, I love you. I care for you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Let me sum up this part. If the team could come up, we're going to transition the service. Uh, let me just sum up what I've been trying to lay a foundation. It's this. We see from God's perspective, and we believe and trust what he says. When we see from God's perspective, we will trust what he says, and that's how faith works. It's, it's grounded in love. It's not grounded in your head knowledge of the scriptures, although that's important, and we need to know what we're confessing and what we're believing, but it begins with a love affair. It begins with the romance with God himself where he woos us and loves us and wins our heart, and then we respond back with an I love you back and experience him and begin to know how to rely and trust on that. So let me tell you a story, and we're going to end with this. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus is teaching. Um, he's been there uh, most of the day teaching a large crowd, and it gets larger as he's going. And the way they counted in this culture was by counting how many men there were in the crowd. And there were 5,000, which means there's probably about 20,000 people in attendance uh, as he's speaking. And he was speaking in a place where the natural acoustics uh, would have allowed 20,000 people to hear him as he was teaching throughout the day. But as they've missed a couple of meals, he says to his disciples, you need to feed the people. So he kind of dispatches them with this, with this task, I'd like you to go out and feed these 5,000. And so they start talking amongst themselves, and they're like, um, the guy from Skip drives a Camry, and I think it would take... How many hundred trips? I mean, we'd be here all day waiting for Skip to come and, and bring in. And if we did, where would we get it from? I mean, it would cost so much money. I don't even know how we would be able to feed all these people. So they're stumped, and they come back to Jesus, and they go, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. The job is too big. We can't do it. (laughs) How many times in my life when I haven't understood, I didn't see, I didn't believe. And I looked at my own life and said, Jesus, I can't, you're asking me to do something, I can't do it. And I've tried, 
I really, really have tried. I, I want to love you, and I, I want a relationship with you, but, but God, I just feel like I'm just not enough. I just, I've tried so hard to live in the after, but there's just way too much before still going on. They came to Jesus and said, we can't do it. He asked them a question. Remember, we're going to know and rely on love. How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. Say see. It's important what we're talking about today. What do you see as you're serving God? As Jesus was clearly portrayed and all that he did on the cross, we talked about it Friday, we talked about it Sunday. I'm talking about it today because it's so important how we continue our relationship with Jesus. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. That word means to perceive, to be aware of, to understand. Get a perspective. He said, go and get a perspective on what your resources really are. So they do. Anybody bring lunch? Anybody got a lunch? Lunch? Anybody think about bringing lunch? Is there a smart mom that maybe packed a lunch for her kid? There was one mom, great mom. She got mother. They packed it for her, her kid, and he says, why don't you take my lunch? And so they come back. They're all excited. They got a lunch. We got a lunch. We found some lunch. Five buns and two fish sticks. They're all excited. We got something. Five buns, two fish sticks. I don't care how you try to change that lunch. Let's do three buns, two fish sticks. No, let's do two buns, two fish sticks. Let's do, I don't care how you rearrange that or try to change the configuration of that lunch. It's still not going to be enough. Right, Christina? It's not enough. You and I will never be enough. <laughs> and when we try to approach this thing by trying to be enough, well, go, go and get some perspective. See what you got. Here's what we've got. We've got, change it all you want. Spend your whole life changing that lunch. It will never be enough to feed the people. We will never be enough to somehow fulfill that what Jesus is saying is transformation, what he wants for our life. I want you to remember that as Jesus was here walking on the earth, he was completely God, but he was also completely human. And that would take like weeks to explain, and even then I don't understand it, and you wouldn't understand it. It's a mystery of the scriptures that he was all man and all God, and that he relinquished his God powers. Jesus never did a miracle as God, ever. He did a miracle as a human Working in relationship with God. I do what I see the Father doing. I'm obedient to whatever the Father says. And he demonstrated for you and I how we're to live this life of transformation in the after and the power of the Spirit. Not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He demonstrated every day. And let's look, let's peek in on this beautiful example that he showed us. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And 20,000 people were filled and there were leftovers. There was a transformation, not a change, 
a transfer, a spiritual transformation in that lunch that fed 20,000 people and became enough. And how did he do it? Taking the five loaves, the limitations of what he was handed, and looking up into heaven. You got to get this. He didn't do like, uh, Father, I'm a little stuck here. It's time to do the miracle. They're going to write about it in the Bible, and um, I really need you to do a miracle here, okay? Uh, I know you can. Read about it in the Old Testament, confessing with my mouth, and they're all watching. The 12 are watching. The people are watching. Really need you to do something, okay? Okay, here we go. In the name of the Father, the Son, that's me, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And the miracle happened? You got to get this. You got to get this. Luke chapter 4, 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus speaking, because he has anointed me, he has empowered me by the Holy Spirit to recover sight for the blind and set the oppressed free. To recover sight for the blind and set the oppressed free. It literally said that when Jesus looked, it literally means in the Greek, Mark used a very specific word, the exact same word of opening blind eyes. What it really says there, and, and because we don't read Greek, we don't get it, but you're going to get it today. What it really says there is he took the limitations of what natural man could see, and Jesus made a decision that he was going to recover his sight in that moment and not look at the limitations of fish and buns. But he was, as a human being, demonstrating to us he was going to recover his sight by looking at heaven's perspective and seeing what his father saw in that moment. And his father said, there's more than enough. I'm the God of transformation. I take natural things and I turn them into something they never could have been. I'm not changing it. I'm not rearranging your life. I'm taking your life and transforming it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, we walk in that something takes place. Jesus recovered heaven's perspective in that moment. And he believed in his heart that it was just going to go on and on and on because he and the Father were one. He was in, He'd spoken to the Father but in that moment, he made sure he was seeing the right thing. What do you see? When you're struggling, we heard a, a very open uh, uh, um, testimony last week of somebody who's struggling and, and used the word, I'm an addict. When you come in prayer, you say, God, I'm not enough. I'm just an addict. And God says, you're not an addict. Oh, you were, but you're not anymore. You're more than a conqueror. You see, you're not believing to change into something that you're becoming. You're changing into what you already are. And he says, my, my son, my daughter, I love you. I gave you all. You're more than a conqueror. You're no longer an addict. You say, God, I just can't. I can't get it done. I, I, I feel like I'm so less than. I just don't have enough. You didn't. You didn't, but now you do. You didn't, but now you do. And you begin changing how you see yourself, not because you're trying to, like, mind over matter, but you get heaven's perspective of what the creator of the universe sees when he made you and loved you and said, you are perfect the way you are.
Come on, let's walk together in your transformation. Jesus, I'm so weak, I can't help myself. No, you're not. You're strong. And after having done all, you're going to stand. Living in the after is learning to be in his love. And like Jesus, in those moments where we don't see it, simply say, Lord, recover my sight. Remind me again who I am, not who I'm going to be. Tell me who I am. And as he does, you'll believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth, and you will walk in your transformation. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if you're here today and you've never experienced God's love, for real. You've heard us maybe talk about it. Maybe you're online today and you're watching in this moment, a very precious moment here at Harvest each week where people make the decision, as we read about earlier, of God coming into your life. You go, my my life's really messed up. I don't think he wants to come into mine. Why don't I come for a few more weeks or a few more years or a few more millennia and try to get this cleaned up? No. Bible says he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. He said, let me come in just the way it is and I'll be the one. I'll be the one to take care of what's inside. And together you will know joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you're here today, you've never made that decision. With every head bowed and eye closed, would you just simply raise your hand today and say, Pastor, include me in the prayer. I want to ask Jesus into my heart today. Is there anyone today? Just in five and four, I see your hand, sweetheart. Do a little girl with her hand up, just saying, I want to know Jesus. Five, four, anyone else? Three, two, and one. All right, let's give a hand. Yeah, come on, little girl that says, I want to know Jesus. She's looking right at me. Love you, sweetie. Online, whoever, whoever's making this decision today, church, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I'm not enough, but you are. And I invite you into my life to change me forever. Eternal life, come in now. Forgive my sin and make me new. Amen. We believe if you prayed that prayer, you are born again and beginning your journey. Let's sing this song. You'll be dismissed in a moment. I will build my life upon your love. It is a
Can we just thank Pastor Roy for a great message again? We have such a great pastor. Hey, well, thank you for joining us. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you next week.